Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. We are globally connected roundtable discussion on military family matters with our partner and family caregiver, Keisha L. Jackson, on the line. And she has brought us a great guest. September is National Suicide Prevention and Hispanic Heritage Month. Today is Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. Keisha, how are you doing today? Hey, Sean. I'm doing well. How are you? All right. You're a U.S. US Air Force veteran and family caregiver, and you brought us today Miss Pamela Farrell, a caregiver activist, pioneer, and owner of Cornrows and and Company. And she wants to talk about hair care in the military. But but before we do that, I wanted to give a little bit of information to our audience. She's the first African-American documented to help shape hair policies within the U.S. Armed Forces. And if anybody has been in the military, we know that particularly once upon a time, especially when I was in the military, that you couldn't even cut your own hair without permission. So that is this is something that is very critical and, and important in the military circle. And also, she also played a pivotal role in the Sixth in the Army and Navy with their re- review of hairstyle policies and regulations and developed the circle of hair system, which defines different textures of hair. The system was used in the 2014 presentation to the Army and is now part of the Cornrows and Corporate Collection and in the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So, hey, uh, Sean, Sean, just before you get started, because mm-hmm. I definitely want to give um, Ms. Farrell just a complete floor to, to just take her time, you know, within our time. But there's two things that I definitely want to mention, because I was in the military during that time, and I could share my stories of my experience of how I was challenged, challenged with my hair and, and the length of my hair or the styles of my hair and was asked, was it in red at that time, was in 3510, all of the different things that I had to go through. But the other reason why this topic is extremely important to me, because I started caring for my mother when I was in the military, but also caring for my mother after I left the military. And so I always emphasize the importance of self-care for caregivers. And one of the things that I can say of people of color, and I know I experience myself a lot of times when we're caring for people, we neglect to take care of our hair. Mm -hmm. And so my hair was in a state of shambles to the point where I had bald spots because of I was so nervous from the different things that was going on. So to be able to have someone like Ms. Farrell to be able to come on, I am completely honored um, for her past, her present, and also her future for what she's doing to lead the way for us in the military as well as for caregivers. And that's, I think that's really poignant. I remember when I was in the military, um, I cut my hair one time and I was in, uh, I think it was AIT. And they didn't like the way I cut my hair. I just shaved it off to try to do exactly what they do in basic training, just make it all, you know, low, basically. And because I showed up uh, between two formations, two different formations with a different hairstyle, they wanted to write me up for destruction of military property. Because in the military, wow. you are you're a GI, you're a government issue military property. So that's mm-hmm. and it was no joke. This was actually a very serious thing. 
Um, so, I mean, so yeah, this is something that is, that is, I think, so with that, that being said, Ms. Farrell, how does hair, uh, uh, translate from, to your identity? Well, and, and it's interesting hearing your story because I didn't know that. Um, when I started out, the reason I started my business was because I lost my job when I was 18 years old because of my braided hairstyle. And I made a declaration that I was going to braid so many heads, this would never happen to anyone else again. Um, and so that's how Cornrows and Company started. And we, you know, year, years later after we opened up, we put out a wanted sign saying that anyone that, you know, experiences hair discrimination or that's threatened for losing their job because of their hair, call us and we will pay your uh, legal fees. You know, we'll pay the attorney um, to represent you. And so uh, we did get some calls and it just really, I mean, it, it was in corporate America um, and, you know, private practice. I mean, so many people reached out to us because they were having problems with, at this time, it was wearing braided hairstyles. And one day I had a young lady come in who was in the military. Uh, she was in the Navy. And she asked if she could take my book and, you know, to show them some of the hairstyles that were in there, to ask them whether they would change the grooming policies so that they could wear braids. Um, and so, you know, they reached out to me and, and it was quite easy actually with the Navy. It took a couple of years, but the, the point that I made to them is, one, is our hair is different and it has different needs. And particularly for someone in the Navy, it would be um, more practical for them to have a braided or natural hairstyle, you know, if they were out and they were, you know, on a ship for months, as opposed to, say, relaxing their hair, which was the other option. You know, relaxing your hair on a ship with you might not have enough water pressure. I mean, there's so many things um, that would be problematic. And so so they got it. And they did eventually um, change the grooming policy to include braids. Hmm. My experience with the military has been one of um, we didn't have to fight that hard. You know, in other, when you know, for example, with the uh, Hyatt Regency Hotel, Marriott Hotel, American Airlines, you know, these other places, it took years, and we had to fight. In 2014, I got a call from a young lady who was in um, the Army, and she was just in a total panic, and she called and said, you know, they just came out with a new revised grooming policy, and we can't wear twists. And she had been wearing her hair in twists for years. It's easy. It's practical. It's neat. It looks, you know, it's neat under the, the cap. And so, um, you know, she had me get on the phone with several other um, young ladies that were also in the Army. And they were just talking about different strategies. So now this is a, this is a different time because the first one, the Navy was 1993. So this is 2014. So we have the Internet. We have social media. Um, so it was, a, you know, as I listened to them and they took it to social media and just how they had planned to approach it, um, I thought to myself, I am not going to reinvent the wheel. 
I am going to, you know, do, I, I pulled out some letters that I had written in 1993, and I just revised them. Um, and in fact, my son, who was 15 at the time, you know, he thought I was crazy. He said, you are writing a letter to send to the Secretary of Army. And it, and it was another one. I don't remember who, who I sent it to. And I said, yes. And he just chuckled and thought, you know, no one is going to answer you. So anyway, I send these letters off. Um, what I recognized was social. The, the people that are making decisions, they're not necessarily on social media. Mm-hmm. They don't use social media. And so that's why I sent the letter off. And I got a phone call um, five days later from the Pentagon. And they wanted to speak with me about, you know, the letter that I sent in regards to here. And they asked, did I want to come to the Pentagon or would I like for them to send someone to me? So I said, send someone to me. You don't want to go to the and Pentagon? So, no. <laughs> I would have gone to the Pentagon. Man. I mean, you know, cool. I, just, I, I just preferred to be in, in my own space. Okay as I was talking about this issue. And it really turned out to be um, really good because it, when the young lady came, um, I was working on a project, which is my Circle Here project. And they wanted me to come and do a presentation to 21 senior officials from around the country, a lesson on hair, because these were the people that would make decisions, I guess. Um, and so... I had four days to plan this, and I thought, why don't I use my circle hair to explain the difference with hair? I had decided that I was going to go in there, and I was not going to talk about race, because this had nothing to do with race for me. Mm -hmm. This was simply about hair. Hair was the problem. And so I went in, and I used circle hair uh, system. I, what, I now, what is a circle hair system? Break, break that down a little bit for us, for us that don't know. What does that entail, basically? Okay. So the, if we look at our hair, strands of hair, they're circles, and they come in different sizes. And so what I discovered for myself is that there is circle hair, and there is what I call line hair, straight hair. There are more people in the world with circle hair. Mm. But what was happening, what I found, was that they created a policy for line hair. And that was really, you know, when I went in, I was able to show them. I was able to show them the distinct characteristics of these two shapes of hair and, you know, what happens when they get wet. You know, one one stands up, circle hair will stand up, it expands, and line hair will hang down. Um, you know, the difference in terms of uh, if we do a wash and wear hairstyle with circle hair versus someone that does with line hair. And so because it was a conversation totally about hair, and I even put together these um, uh, boards where I actually, you know, stapled hair onto these boards. I used to hate these, you know, they used to do them in school where the kids had to do their little mm-hmm. um, presentation on these stuff. boards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's what I use. In fact, those boards now are in the African-American Museum. Um, 
collection, Corners and Company collection. And so, I mean, they totally got it because it was about hair. And they changed that policy. You know, I, I got a call um, probably, uh, I, I would say like a month later, telling me that the policy had been changed. And they said a policy had never been changed that quickly. Mm. What made you and think they changed it so fast? Why do you think they did that? Because they understood it. It, it. They understood it because it was about hair and not race. It's hard to win arguments about race. No one will ever admit that they're a racist. You know, even a racist doesn't think they're a racist. You no. know, they don't think that they make decisions based on race, but they do. And so I, I always know that that is a harder um, argument to make and to win. And again, the problem is hair. So if the problem's hair, let's talk about hair. And they totally got it. And it was interesting because there were more men in the room than there were women. And Mm. so, you know, men don't know all the nuances of hair that a woman, you know, has to go through. They, you know, they don't know that you could, a woman with circle hair could straighten their hair and then go out and get caught in the rain and it's going to transform and do something else. Mm-hmm. They don't know that. And so, you know, so for me, it was just an opportunity to educate them on hair so that when they have to make a, I guess, management decision on, you know, based on someone's hair, they can do it and be more informed about it. So they 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 got it. I think that's why they changed the policy. And I did get to go to the Pentagon. They honored <laughs> me at the Pentagon. All right. So what did you think about <laughs> and the Pentagon? I got a special tour. I had never been to the Pentagon. Wow. Pentagon, you know, and I got a really special tour there. So. Um, I think so that's that, really that, important what you what you've done because we spend now we can spend more time on being sailors, marines, army soldiers, airmen you know, guardsmen, things like that, as opposed to worrying about your hair. That's right. Spending Absolutely. an hour every day trying to figure out how you're going to get you, what you're going to do with your hair. But going to the field, what you're going to do about your hair. Yeah, right. Sean, and like you and say that, I remember, I, I was saying, I remember that specific thing. Every day I would come into work and I would ask um, some of my friends, hey, look at my hair, make sure it's this, make sure it's, you know, pin up. And it was an added responsibility that you had to do even before you can do your work. So that's that's exactly right. That's that's what I had to yeah. do as well. Yeah, you know, and I mean, you all serve the country. You you work hard. Why should you have to go in? You know, and I think it creates this insecurity, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like, is my hair right? And that was the other thing I said to him. I said, you already have a policy in place. If your policy says that the hair has to be above the shoulder, then it shouldn't matter what the texture of the hair is. It shouldn't matter if it's braided. If your policy says that your bun shouldn't be um, extend out more than, I think it's two or three inches. If someone has a braided style, that's a bun. Or if they have locks and it's neatly groomed and pulled back and it meets that standard, you know, why are you singling out, you know, certain ways that people wear their hair? And so, um, you know, so, I mean, they have policies in place. And, you know, as with everything, there is this idea that people in management positions, doesn't matter whether it's military or in corporate America, 
that they control our hair in particular. Mm. Um, because, you know, there's, they don't have policies that say you can't wear straight hair. Right. They don't have policies that say you can't have blonde hair. I mean, you know, even if you're born with naturally blonde hair, I mean, that would be like crazy to mm-hmm. say that, right? To create right. a policy. If you don't have that experience, and, they would never know. Right. And then one exactly. of the things like a lot of guys, particularly African-American men, but not just African-American men, but guys that suffer from razor bumps. So in the military, when I joined the military, you had to be clean shaven. That was a big deal. And then a lot of members mm-hmm. seeing the, the struggle with a lot of young men who were first time shavers who, you know, had these these horrific razor bump um, outbreaks, sometimes having to go to the hospital, having to go to the to the uh, to the uh, to the clinic to try to get these treatments for their skin because they had these huge blisters and bumps that looked like they were afflicted with some kind of disease when there was really just razor bumps because they were shaving too close. And but the military required that you have close shaven skin. So you had to have a uh, uh, baby smooth uh, face in order to skin, in mm-hmm. order to, you know, report to uh, formation. So, I mean, so has anything been done on that? I've noticed in, the, in a lot of the elite units, like the Navy SEALs and things like that, I know those guys are going around rocking these long, bushy beards and things like that. Is that still something that is uh, that, that soldiers have to do? That I don't know. Um, from what I understand, they've changed the policy, you know, to take that in consideration, and men can wear beards. I don't know what the policy is in terms of how long it can be, you know, being, you know, whether they have to keep it well groomed and cut short as opposed to being shaved very close. Hmm. Um, Uh, I I don't have a problem with standards, mm -hmm. but it should be a standard that everybody can meet. Hmm. And it should be a standard that takes in consideration that, you know, we're not this monolithic people. And when you talk about razor bumps, I mean, again, we're talking about circle hair because Mm. that hair grows out in a circle. And in some cases, you know, when you cut it incorrectly, it becomes an ingrown hair. Mm -hmm. And that's what creates that inflammation. And then so when you have it, people in the military that can't they can't really teach you that. And these, I mean, I remember seeing I mean, young. I was blessed because I my I was I didn't really have a beard when I was in uh, the military. I was too young to really grow it. I had a I mean a baby face to begin with. So when I was mm-hmm. in the military, I could just you take a rip out a big razor and I could shave once a week and that was good. But for guys that had bushy beards, I mean, it was just oh my god, it was just horrific. And some guys even had to get um, had to miss training and get pulled back and redo training because they missed so many days. Because their skin was in, exactly. inflamed and things yeah. like that. So. And it's not like they teach you how to shave. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just shave it by any means necessary. So can you imagine 18-year-olds not really knowing, you know, what kind of razors to use and, and you know, products and things like that? Mm. So, so, so tell yeah, me, but so going back to my original question, Ms. Farrell, go back to my, my original question. So how does... How does so for particularly for a female for a woman? How does hair how does hair translate into your identity, like who you are, and then what does it mean to to a woman? Because I know there's I've never seen a lot of these movies, but I know these movies are out there where there's all kinds of different um, these uh, coming of age movies where women, particularly black women, are cutting off all their they cut off all their hair because they want to make a statement, or they or they they get fed up with all the stereotypes and images that they have to adhere to to try to become this image of beauty, and they do something to rebel against that with their, and they make that symbol their hair. So what is, how does hair um, um, translate to your identity? You know, hair is really important. I mean, it's, 
the first thing that you will notice on a person. Um, when your hair is done, I know for me and for many, you feel good. So now we're talking a mental health <laughs> issue here, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you got 30 um, seconds, so we got we to gotta, um, finish up quick. Yeah, so, I mean, hair is is really important in terms of identity because it, it says who you are. Mm-hmm. And we all don't have the same hair. And so hair requires different ways of grooming it and styling it. And when you create a standard, one standard, and everyone is trying to meet that expectation, that's where, you know, I think it's a hardship for, for women and, and people in general um, as far as the identity. Keisha L. Jackson, U.S. Air Force veteran and family caregiver, and she brought us a great panel, so the great topic and a historical person at that. That is Pamela Farrell. She's a caregiver, activist, and pioneer and the owner of Cornrows and Company. And thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time, and God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.